0: Gambler, February 27th, Same Bet YouTube channel, I'm going to be there, and I'm bringing the entire Casino Combat arsenal with me, the training, the discipline, the wisdoms, the being accountable to someone or something, so I got to ask you, Same Bet, what you going to do when Casino Combat and TRG Mania runs wild on you, brother? (laughs) There you go, Gwen313, I told you several weeks ago that I'd find an appropriate time to do that one for you, I hope you enjoyed it, let's do the important stuff, and then we will get started with this episode of Casino combat. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary persons, Bilbo and Frodo Baggins. This podcast discusses casinos and gambling. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local Problem Gambling Hotline. If you do not know your local Problem Gambling Hotline number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in facts. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items, unrelated outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity (laughs) okay all right I told Gwen I would do that open for her when I found an appropriate time this seemed like an appropriate time I am going to be on the same bet YouTube channel live on the the 22nd at seven o'clock central standard time you can also catch it in reruns after the fact should be a good time I'm going to be appearing by video I'm going to be taking questions it should be a lot of fun I'm really looking forward to it Welcome to episode 81 of our Casino Combat Podcast, everyone. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the jungle. We have fun and games. Well, we talk a great deal about the best of all games, the game of casino gambling, and how to win when playing that very fun game. If you've listened previously, thanks for joining me once again. If this is your first time, as I said, welcome and thank you. Here's the battle plan for this episode of Casino Combat. We are going to start with a core concept segment, and I'm going to share with you a new type of wager, a wager type that I don't use very often and have not needed to mention in the past, but it came up a couple times in my thinking last week, so I wanted to go over it with you today, provide you with an additional wagering system building tool. One more Lego in, in that set of Legos that we can use to put together wagering systems, wagering plans, whatever you want to call them, that part doesn't matter. I expect that to take a while, so I will do a travel segment before that because I did do some traveling last week and I have some observations to go along with my results. So results, observations in the travel segment to kick things off. Then I'm going to use my ability to alter dates and times to protect the innocent and the guilty and pretend that Monday the 31st was actually part of last week so that we can spend some time together in the virtual VIP lounge and sort out the results of the month. October, November, and December were all winning months. We will find out today if the streak continues. So unless I decide to go unscripted at some point, that's three segments. Travel, core concepts, and monthly wrap-up in the virtual VIP lounge. Actually, I guess I just spoke things (laughs) into existence. Um, I I just got a a, a note from T-Rex with a question that uh, he thinks I can answer unscripted, and he's probably right. So what the heck? Let's do a question segment unscripted as well. In fact, we will start with that. Let's do it that way. Questions, unscripted, um, then travel, then core concepts, then virtual VIP lounge to wrap up with uh, the monthly results. Before we jump into things, we have a big topic from the Casino Combat Galaxy that we need to talk through. Background, for those of you who may not have listened to every segment of every episode, a lot of casinos that I visit have stopped putting change in the kiosks that pay out slot machine slips. Instead, after a pause, a receipt is printed that can be taken to the cage and cashed in there. Because there are very small amounts of money involved, the receipts end up as litter many times. When I see them, I've been collecting them and cashing them based on the idea that A. I don't want the casino increasing their profits at players' expense and B. Every approximately 40 cents that I collect offsets $100 of expected mathematical losses at a blackjack table. Seemed all very reasonable to me. A couple of weeks ago, I got a note from a YouTube listener telling me that in some states that was a crime and I mentioned that in episode 79. After that episode was published, the listener sent an email with a picture of a sign from the Harris Casino in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Not a place I have ever been or played, so I can't speak to that. But it looks legit. The colors are right for a Harris. It has the Harris logo. It has a bunch of statues, blah, blah, blah. Billy with the Great Last Name posted the picture to our Instagram and Facebook accounts, so you can take a look at those if you'd like to see this verbiage for yourself. You can get to those from the links at the top of the CasinoCombat.com website. The relevant portion of the sign reads, taking possession of and retaining unattended money, unattended slot vouchers, or playing someone else's credits left on a slot machine, etc. And that's where they get us, right? Etc. Because this isn't really any of those things. May constitute a criminal offense in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Further down, we are told that this can result in arrest and criminal charges being filed against you. Let's start with what I did know and then work on the part I didn't know or didn't Consider, think through, and let's look at it a couple different ways. I don't recall ever seeing a sign like the one posted in Philly. However, I've known for years that, generically speaking, anything of value found in a casino should be turned into a casino employee. In fact, the last time Mrs. TRG and I were at our home, Casino Casino 2, two and a half hours east and south of our home, we were walking past a craft's pit and there was a $5 bill laying on the floor. I picked it up, I walked over to the pit boss, I handed it to her, showing her where it had been on the floor. She thanked me, but gave me kind of a strange look. Mrs. TRG wondered why I bothered anyone with such a small amount of money, and I told her that some casinos get really picky about that stuff and don't allow you to take any money that isn't yours. She said, okay, didn't really seem convinced. My general rule on this is amounts less than a dollar, I don't worry about, and anything a dollar or more, I turn in. I am a person in or out of a casino that picks up pennies and change when I see them on the ground. That's an entirely different story for an entirely different day. But yes, if I see a penny on the floor in a casino, I pick it up and I don't bother turning it into anyone. Maybe I'll need to rethink that, but a dollar has traditionally been my threshold, and this is making me reconsider. Related to this idea is the fact that casinos really do try to return money to its rightful owner. Several years ago, a pit boss in the high limit room at my local casino insisted Gabriel needed to go to the cage and retrieve $500 because he had dropped a chip during his previous visit. Gabriel was positive that he had never had a $500 chip during that previous visit, but security was sure, the pit boss was sure, so he went and got $500 from the cage. Gabriel eventually went back through the entire visit in, in question. He and I talked about it a little bit. He concluded that someone he knew casually at the table had most likely dropped the chip in question. And the next time he saw that person, they talked through it and verified that, yes, in fact, that other player had been short $500 when he went to the cage. Gabriel was correct. Security had misinterpreted who had dropped the chip. And Gabriel, of course, returned the money to the correct owner. In this case, our local casino got things mostly right, but it illustrates the concept that casinos do go to great lengths to return lost or abandoned money to the rightful owner. The same technique would be applied to money left in a slot machine or dropped on the floor. The casinos have cameras everywhere, recording everything, determining who left what money where is a relatively easy task. I've said on several occasions that as a dreamer of dreams and a traveling man, I've chalked up many a mile and read dozens of books about heroes and crooks and learned much from both of their styles. There's something to be learned from both sides of, of a situation. I try not to drop into full crook mode, if at all possible. I mean, maybe a gray area here or there. I've talked about those in the fat past, but not full crook mode. I never considered that the general rules about other people's money would be applied to a receipt for 8 cents or 12 cents that another player walked away from or intentionally dropped on the floor. I I didn't intend to function as a crook. I was not intending to tell you to function as a crook. I was intending to function more as a Robin Hood. Let's go with that. Keeping other players' winnings from the casino. But those are other people's winnings, technically not mine. Also, I really doubt that the casino is going through the footage every day for every kiosk and tracking and recording the owner of every abandoned slip. To an extent, if they're not doing that, they must not care and they must not consider other people's money. But now I'm just making up excuses, right? That said, especially since I've talked about this several times in the past, if you want to be 100% on the right side of the law, either leave those slips alone or turn them into a casino employee. Final thought. On this topic, I've mentally gone back and forth on whether I want to say this part or not. Uh, Quite frankly, if you're hearing it, great. And if you don't, it's because after the fact I told T-Rex to chop it out. I really try not to do politics or COVID in this podcast unless it relates directly to a gambling topic. So I've said in the past, if there was a political aspect to sports uh, sports betting being legal in a state, I might wade into that. Uh, if there was a, a political topic about whether a city should get a casino or not, I might weigh into that. But I'm not really into the politics or the COVID stuff unless it's directly related to gambling. That's just not what this podcast is about. This isn't the place for that. However, this there is a political aspect to this. This is related to this gambling talk, topic. So for the sake of completeness, assuming I don't change my mind, let me go for just a moment into areas I normally avoid. I personally find it ironic that this sign is from Philadelphia. You see, a number of major cities in the United States, including Philly, have been going through a process of decriminalizing a variety of activities, reducing bail requirements and jail time for people accused of crimes that are still on the books. And they've been trying to reduce what crimes are on the books. Significant efforts have been made in the past few years to change policing policies, and police have become a great deal more lenient as a result. They are unwilling to engage with citizens as much as they have in the past. They are aware that prosecutors often put criminals back on the streets, even for robberies and violent crimes, and that happens just hours after an arrest. So Philly is much softer on serious crime now than it was even a few years ago. Given all that, it's hard for me to imagine the police or the prosecutors being interested in pressing charges against someone, arresting someone, who took a slip of paper worth less than a dollar off the casino floor and cashed it at the cage, instead of either allowing it to litter the casino or turning it in. The two ideas just don't match up in my brain. It doesn't make much sense. Smash the window on a drugstore in Philly and walk out with hundreds of dollars in merchandise. They don't arrest or prosecute you. But they're going to arrest or prosecute you for taking that slip of paper? They're going to charge you for that? You're, you're, I, I don't get it. And I have my doubts. That is not a reason to act outside the law. I am not encouraging that. Be aware of the law in PA or any state where you are gambling. And when in doubt, assume that it could be a, a, a punishable offense. That you could end up in jail for picking up that slip of paper worth five cents and taking it to the cage. <laughs> Look, you know what might be fun? and I and Taking a slip that's worth just a few pennies and then doing the right thing. Going to a pit boss and saying... I found this on the floor by that kiosk over by that pole over there. I know I'm required to turn in any money I find so it can be returned to its rightful owner. I wonder what the reaction would be. I wonder if I would be thanked and the slip would be processed like it was a lost $100 bill or if the slip would end up in the trash. And I may have to try that on one of the next times I I, I have a chance to do that. Next time I see a slip, I may have to try that just to see what the, the house's reaction to that activity is. You know, I actually just thought of a great, and it's a quick story, but I just thought of a great story about a situation where a casino didn't return money that they knew belonged to a player to the player it belonged to and they had every reason to know there was no doubt who the money is too quick to even need any real setup other than this you can hang around a casino all day and not see anything really strange unusual or amazing happen while at the same time in any casino at any moment something random and strange may occur On a very nondescript weekday afternoon, I was playing blackjack in the high limit room at my local casino, at a table with a $100 minimum wager, and I was with a couple other players, not people I knew particularly well. The one gentleman was not having a particularly good day. Things were not going particularly well for him. He was not having much success. Just kind of slowly losing a stack of black $100 chips. As the cards were shuffled, he took a $500 chip, that's a slightly larger purple chip, and kind of partly tossed it, partly bounced it off the felt toward the dealer and says, you might as well change that, I'm going to need it. That chip bounced a couple times, hit the edge of the rack, which turned it fully on its edge, and it rolled a few inches and dropped right into the dealer's locked tip box. That box is locked and seals. It was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen happen. Something that if you practiced for hours, you would have a problem recreating. It would be difficult to make that trick shot again. The pit boss, of course, is called over. Then a couple of different supervisors. And then finally, an executive arrives. And they all explained that they were very, very sorry. They were so sorry. This was horrible. But there was nothing they could do. That once the tip went in the locked box, it belonged to the dealer's they were not allowed to take it out, that there was nothing that they could do. The player was understandably very upset. The casino had only been open less than a year. In hindsight, I think there were a variety of things that could and should have been done to make this right, up to and including filing a complaint as the player with the State Gaming Commission. But I was not nearly as wise a decade ago. I just sat there stunned and watched the show still surprised that no one made this right to this gentleman in some way shape or form but it is a case of a casino knowing who the chip belonged to knowing it was not intended to be a tip and then saying there was nothing they could do the money was just going to get divided up by their employees all right let's get started on our plan for this episode and do that bonus questions my son's asked segment that i hadn't planned but t-rex is right i got this one what what all right, let's again uh, take a look at this question T-Rex sent over. Wait, I'm sorry. My sons ask questions about gambling. Listeners ask questions about gambling. Sometimes complete strangers ask questions about gambling. Let's look again at this question T-Rex sent over. I looked at it quickly and decided it would be fun to talk about, but not in detail. Okay, uh, I've got to read this part and then I'll sort out an answer. This is <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> Jonathan J. James writes and look sometimes I think you folks make this these email addresses up. I think you make this stuff up just to send the email to the podcast, which is fine and fun. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe someone's parents were just big Spider-Man fans, but that that's what it says. Jonathan J dot James at blah 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 blah. And anyway, he writes Hi TRG, I enjoy your podcast when I'm working outside. Fred sent me your ebook on playing slots and I've tried your second strategy a couple of times. I like it. You've talked in the past about modifying your table game strategy to be more aggressive or more conservative. Any suggestions for the slot strategy? Thanks in advance. All right. First of all, Jonathan, uh, Triple J, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for trying out my strategies. Thank you very much for taking the time to write and send your questions. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, this, this slot strategy is something that should not have existed. It should not be a thing. Mathematically, I know it shouldn't be a thing, but here's the problem. I had this crazy idea several years ago, well before the pandemic. I had it randomly based on some other things. This is all covered in the book, Uh, but I I had this crazy idea, and I started experimenting with it at, at the end of winning blackjack sessions with just a part of my blackjack wins, and it seemed to work, and so I started writing down the results because I was sure I was just remembering them wrong, and the written results showed it worked. And my wife started trying it and keeping written results and it worked for her. And then there was a pandemic. And then I started this podcast and I had zero plan to talk about this slot stuff at all. Was not going to mention it. Thought it was crazy talk. And then I was winning money and then I was winning significant money because I was still playing as I'm taking the notes as I'm visiting the casinos for the first few episodes, which in hindsight were pretty horrible. Um, I'm making the notes, but I'm not talking about it when I talk about the results because that would be crazy. No one knows this can work, but it was contributing significantly to the results. And so I thought I had to start including the results. And if I had to include the results, then I had to teach you all how I do this. And it was twice as long as a normal podcast script. And I didn't think it was going to be interesting. So I wrote the whole thing as an ebook, made it a PDF. It's free, Uh, set up. Uh, set up an email bot Fred with T-Rex's help that uh, could send it out to everybody and now Fred has evolved and Fred is now part of the website so if you want my ebook Casino Combat Slot Tactics it is free 100% free um, I'm not gonna try to upsell you. I'm not. I, other than some referrals to Amazon of things I think you might enjoy. I don't have any TRG merch. I don't have any Casino Combat merch. I don't have anything like that. I am not trying to upsell you, downsell you. It's free. It's called Casino Combat Slot Tactics. It's on the website. Help yourself. And and that's what. Uh, J cubed, I kind of like that. That's what J3 is is asking about is is the, the second slot strategy in that book, TRG slot strategy, el numero dos. So there's there's two strategies in the book. The first is for free play. If you're gonna use Casino Wisdom number 22, uh, the the approach for free slot play is handled there. And there is a way to, to modify that a little bit. Um, what I do with that is you gotta decide, so somebody gives you $30 of free slot play. Do you want to make six $5 bets? That's a very aggressive strategy. Or do you want to make 60 uh, $0.50 bets? That's a very conservative bet. So do you want more spins at smaller amounts of money or more spins at at larger amounts of money? So that is a a decision that needs to be made. Bigger bets, less spins, more aggressive. Uh, Smaller bets, more spins, more conservative. The idea, I honestly try to go somewhere in the middle. I try to find that middle ground about halfway across the, the number sets and, and work there. You want a decent number of spins, but you also, if you hit something good, if you hit bonus spins or free spins or something decent, you want it to pay out a decent amount of money. So uh, for those of you that have read the book, for uh, slot strategy number one, you can kind of aggressive or conservative depending on what size wager, what size spin you decide to make. All right, for TRG slot strategy, el numero dos. And I'm not going to go into it all. If you're interested, download and read the book. It's not going to take you that long. But this strategy is based on raising and lowering your bets based on the outcome of previous bets that's very much like what we do whether we're playing baccarat or roulette or blackjack and obviously i spend most of my time playing blackjack but my strategies work with any of those other things as well we make decisions right if we win two bets in a row then then we then we make our bets move up a little bit if if we win a couple or lose a couple bets in a row or one bet in a row depending on which strategy you're using we start to raise our bets to recoup so The slot strategy is based on the idea that you find a machine that pays out the progressive benefits even when you make a very small wager. And then if you lose, in the book, I say four times in a row. If you lose four spins in a row, then you move up to the next larger wager. And at any point where you win on a particular spin more than the amount of that spin. So if you bet a dollar to spin and you win a dollar and a half, you drop all the way back to the beginning and start over again. If you're at the smallest bet and you win more than the smallest bet, you start your count from one to four over again. There's a quick overview of the strategy without going into all the details, justifications, reasons, rationales, and all of that kind of stuff. So to the question on in front of us today, the question on the table, you could make this more conservative, which is to say put less money at risk by, for instance, well, let's just say this by reducing the number of presses because the negative exit for this strategy, because every strategy has to have a positive and negative exit, right? So the, the negative exit strategy that I recommend or the negative exit point that I recommend is if you've gone four times on each button all the way across every possible wager size and you did not on any spin win more than the amount of the spin then you're done. You write down how much money you lost and you walk away. So instead of four, you could pick three, two, or one, right? And that would be more conservative because if you do two spins on each one and don't win more, then you're going to have lost half the money of four spins. But you also have less opportunities to have a, a win occur, to have something good occur. But That would be a more conservative strategy. A more aggressive strategy would be one way to be more aggressive would be to make it six spins or eight spins you're going to have more spins that's more aggressive that's more money at risk that's a more chance for a payout the other way that you could do this and i'm thinking on my feet here so be fair if in somehow this in hindsight doesn't make sense the other thing you could do this would be interesting actually this is actually kind of an interesting thought that's rolling through my head right now suppose we have five buttons right? We got five different things. It's 50 cents a buck, a buck and a half, that's three, two dollars, two dollars and 50 cents. You could do two presses on the smallest wager size, two presses on 50 cents. If you don't make more, you could do three presses on the next button. And if in any of those three presses, you make more than what I say, a dollar, then you go back and start your two presses again. This is going to take more math skills. It's going to take more mental acumen. I just said mental acumen. All right, good for me. Um, so you could go two spins on the first button, three spins on the next button, four spins on the next button, five spins on the button after that, and six spins on the last button. You're going to put more money at risk. You're going to move through the process more quickly. You're going to give yourself more chances of hitting the big numbers. That's Somebody test that. I don't know if I'm going to test that. That's not a horrible idea. That could be a really interesting modification. Thanks, J-Cubed. Uh, I, I really like that idea. So that would be another way. But the way you're going to mess around with TRG slot strategy, el numero dos, in terms of modifications, is number of button presses at each level. Another way to to be more aggressive with these strategies would be to use exactly the strategy as it's written in the book, but to do it in high limit. You're going to need a bigger bankroll. You're going to need a much bigger bankroll. However... You're going to get paid bigger if you get paid, if you hit something good. And it's generally accepted wisdom. Uh, Dr. Slots, who was on the, on the show a while back, confirmed that high limit slot machines tend to pay out more and tend to pay out more often because there's more money put at risk. So that would be another way, another way to do this. You're either going to do it with button presses. You're going to do it by going to high limit. If you want to make it more conservative, stay out of high limit and and reduce the number of button presses. So a couple of things to think about, a couple ways you could play with that. Always, if you figured it out, if you lay it down. So step one, before you ever go to the casino, sit down and lay out how you're going to do this. Calculate the bankroll. Decide what denomination machines you might play. Calculate the bankroll based on the maximum number of presses that could occur have a little backup money to it. you never want to get to that last press and not have the money to make the last press of the button because we have won big money on the very last button press on multiple occasions Mrs. TRG and myself. So yep you know, do this with purpose. Don't change it up then. If you're gonna change out what I tested for years, then you owe it more than one try or two tries. you know if slots are all you play, You'll be prepared to do it for a month. You know, put some time in. Don't don't decide after one try, oh, it doesn't work because anything cannot work once. That's certainly possible. All right. That was probably a bit rambling and that's a bit on brand and that's okay. Uh, I, I hope that helps. Uh, j cubed i I hope that was useful i hope that's what you wanted if it wasn't send another email over we can have a a dialogue about it offline but t-rex t-rex was right that was easily handled uh unscripted and there's a little bonus content for you the travel segment is next let's find out how my week went last week i had a number of interesting things interesting easy for me to say i had a number of interesting things happen during my various casino visits this past week so from a results point of view i wanted to focus a bit more this episode on how things went and what i saw than doing a full blown table by table recap and we'll see maybe i wander a little bit into that a little more than i think but i really want to focus on things i saw things i experienced general outcomes, and then we'll get all the total details for the month of January later in the virtual VIP lounge. I'll try to avoid redundancy in this segment. I will try. I do not know if I will succeed. I visited my local casino several times during the week. Each time the parking was comped and I received some type of gift card, free slot, play, free bet, all those things that are part of having and using a player's card. It is an important part of this process, and I'll give you an example of that. Our refrigerator recently failed. And after the repairman came out, it couldn't be repaired. We had to buy a new refrigerator in the end. But by the time a repairman came and checked it and then thought he fixed it and then it turned out it didn't. And then we went and bought the refrigerator and then we had to wait for delivery. That meant that most of the food in the refrigerator that couldn't be consumed quickly had to be thrown out. And putting all the basics back together was a lot less painful because we had a stack of casino gift cards that could be used at a local big box store that has a grocery. So we were able to go buy what we needed to rebuild things in the new fridge. The basics, the staples, the that kind of stuff. Even though that's not a place that we normally shop for groceries. This is just another form of free imaginary tax-free money. Gift cards given to us at the casino. My first visit to my local casino, I managed to use six bets to win six bets at the craps table. I discussed that uh, that process with you recently, I think last episode, maybe the episode before that. I won some money at a slot machine with TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, that slot strategy we were just talking about modifying a few minutes ago, and won money playing blackjack. It was the trifecta. The three games I play all paid money, and I walked out with more than a day's pay. A perfect illustration of a basic casino combat daily visit made possible by the fact that my casino locally is close and on the way to other things that I do anyway later in the week I did stop for the free play and lunch visit at the horse track I was doing that of course on my way back from a customer and as a bonus I received a free lottery ticket I happened to be there on the day that people older than me or my age or older that's a better way to say that got to get a free lottery ticket I had a nice slot win, almost equal to the amount of money that they gave me to play for free, and I went from there to my local casino for a visit, and this visit needed a very long time roll. We talked about time roll and bankroll being equally important. Uh, I needed a long time roll for this to sort it out. I started with the losing craps table, then had a winning blackjack table that more than covered the losses, and at this point, I'm thinking, another quick blackjack win, and I'm done. I'm out the door. This is going to be easy, right? So I took a break. And I proceeded to lose exactly the same amount that I had just won at the next blackjack table I selected. Followed by another small blackjack loss. So now I've lost the equivalent of two losing tables from a bankroll point of view. About a day's pay. After a break to catch up with Gabriel a little little bit, I used the meta martingale to size my buy-in larger at the next blackjack table. And won almost two days pay and now I'm out the door one day's pay ahead. The following day, and now you can see this is being done like a job at this point. Things are open enough. There's enough resources. I'm no longer waiting 30, 40, 50 minutes and struggling to find a seat. I don't have to worry that if I get up, I won't find a seat again. It's a job. This is where I am just inside hustle mode. This is the environment the entire process was with Gabriel's help, with the help of a variety of other people. This is the environment where I sorted out the last portions of the process that we discuss every week. Admit, Admittedly, that occurred when the property was part of the Caesars reward system and those benefits were available from Caesars, but this is the way the core concepts were conceptualized, (laughs) spelled with a K of course. This is where the first casino wisdom was spoken and that all happened with Visited visits like this repeated and repeated multiple times during the week as my schedule allowed it is really cool that as a squad we got to the point we've had enough episodes the world has changed enough where after all these episodes in the last episode and in this one you are getting to see things with lower expenses and consistent outputs because of the way the world has opened back up okay sorry tangent the next day locally, I lost at the crafts table on the way in. Six bets placed on the table. Six bets lost. Nothing won at all. Nothing to be done about it. All six bets replaced by a win at the blackjack table that immediately followed. Then I lost money at a blackjack table, but had a small crafts win. And as I said, this one needed a long time roll to work to an ending as well. I took a break for a couple of phone calls, returned to playing blackjack using the double size meta Martingale strategy again. Kind of a pattern here, isn't there? You notice there's a pattern here? I left the table with two and a half days pay as a profit. And once again, mission accomplished. The interesting thing here is that I played by myself against the dealer on this last table for the day. She's known me the entire time the casino's been open. She's a day one person. I was like a week four person because I wanted to let them get the kinks out. Uh, I continued the first month they were open to gamble at uh, Casino One, actually. Since it was just me, It's easy for the game to move fast, but I don't want the game to move fast. This is one of those observations I wanted to share with you. For a couple of reasons, I want the game to slow down, even if it's just me. First, it's easier to make mistakes if you are playing fast, especially if you are playing with a dealer who is not an expert in the game. The problem is if they're not experts and you're playing fast and you make a mistake, the mistake is probably going to stand. There's no one else at the table to correct you except the dealer. There are a couple of dealers in my local casino who who work at my local casino who are experts in the game of blackjack. They will anticipate my every play. If I happen to make a mistake, they will catch it. They will be surprised that I made the mistake. Often if I'm if I was to play with those dealers and I don't very often, but Often a hand will be finished before the dealer even has seen their second card. I have a pair of 10s. The dealer knows I'm not taking a card regardless of what their card might turn out to be. There are a couple of these dealers and when we are on the same page with no interruptions we can finish a six deck shoe faster than the machine can shuffle the six decks of cards. Those dealers are the ones that help me realize that having the skill to play fast isn't in my best interest. You see, the reward system software assumes a preset number of hands dealt per hour on average through the whole casino. It ignores how many people are at the table and how long a hand takes to be played. 30 hands an hour versus 60 hands an hour is better because I get two hours worth of tier credits instead of one hour. Less mistakes, more points. That's what I'm going for. So if I'm playing by myself, I tend to do things to slow the process of the game down. And that normally comes in the form of conversation. As I was saying, this dealer is very capable, not necessarily what I would consider an expert, But very, very capable. And at one point, I slowed the game down. We'd been chit-chatting a little bit, but I slowed the game down by double-checking my play stack and my win stack and my next wager using those two stacks as an abacus. The dealer asked me what I was doing, and I explained that my next bet is determined by the outcome of the previous set of hands. The dealer asked me where I learned this, and I said, well, I learned it in casinos the hard way, in a lot of casinos with a lot of losing. We continued to chat as I played. That kept the game slower. And she said that when she goes to a casino, she just loses all her money and then goes to the ATM and loses all her money again and then goes to the ATM and loses all her money again. And as a result, she doesn't go to casinos. And that sounds smart to me. I agreed with her that knowing when to leave is important. And she asked how I know when to leave. And I said, the way the chips are stacked will tell me when it's time to leave. And she didn't seem to get that. So I said I would show her if and when it happened at this table. And at that point, it could have been, oh, you see this stack of chips, I'm down to just three chips, I'm done. Or it could be the way it actually turned out. So there's some foreshadowing. I reached the point where I had won 10 units. And I put out three chips away from everything else. And I told her when these chips are gone, I'm done. That's that's how I know. That's how the chips will tell me. We played for maybe an hour more than that, so long that she forgot about the whole chip thing, and that's normal. She was just doing her job, and I was just doing mine. She didn't need to remember. I eventually lost that third chip, and she said something you will hear often if you can do this properly. She looked at me, and she said, oh, you're done? Kind of that way, with with some surprise in her voice. Anytime you hear a dealer or another player say, oh, you're done, you know you had the proper exit. You exited in a way that surprises them a way they don't normally see and that will tell you you did this right. I explained to the dealer that yes, the three chips were gone so it was time to leave. I had a two and a half days pay profit at that table. There will be days when I don't get a win at the second tier of the Meta Martingale, where I've doubled the wager size. And I'll lose on the third tier of the Meta Martingale, where I've quadrupled the unit size. And I'll get really smacked, and it will be a bad day. And that will be okay. Because there are days like the ones this past week where I had a nice win day after day after day. Being able to play locally now that's a possibility and i will win without ever getting to the to tier 2 or at tier 2 way more often than i will end up at tier 3 and then losing the following day was work and then the head to the home casino day you know this is we've done this a lot i've talked about this a lot if you're not familiar uh, casino two, this is my home casino. It's about two and a half hours south and west of our home. And if I leave from a client that is in that direction, I take off roughly a, a, an hour of the drive. So it's work in the morning, leave shortly after lunch, get to the hotel about the time to check into a comp room, do some gambling, have a comp dinner. They provide some match bets. It, it's a really great setup. The gambling was very tough right out of the gate. Small win at the blackjack table, and I mean small, and then losses at the next few tables, including at a craps table. And I did realize during this process, however, that I wanted to add a third type of wager to our process, at least discuss where it might fit. And I'm going to explain that in the next segment. And that came at this craps table, even though I lost. The point here is that these are acceptable. And in this case, in the case of craps, this is just an educational loss. We won and we won and we won and we won, or I won, I won, I won, I won, I won it's okay that some things don't go my way as part of a visit. The blackjack table losses came down to my splits and doubles not getting paid at either of two tables. In fact, in fact, I left the second losing table because at the start of a hand, I had plenty of chips in my play stack. And I had to make a two-unit bet, and that was no big deal. And then I got a pair of sixes. And I split the sixes three times and doubled them once. So two-unit bet, I've got... Two, four, six, eight. Is that right? Original bet. Three splits is four. That's eight units. And then a double. And I got paid on one of the undoubled hands. That's a complete wipeout. It doesn't happen often. It happens. And the reason I'm mentioning this is that this is also an illustration of the value of being accurate. The reason I'm bringing up how I lost is it's an excellent illustration of the value of being accountable to yourself and keeping written records of your results in some fashion. I am now days and days removed from those two tables. I know the outcome of the visit, but until I really sat down and prepped this part of the episode, days removed from those two tables, I don't recall the results without the records, let alone the reason for the results. And the results give me both what happened and the reason it happened. And that is invaluable. As I said, With the records, I can look back from last week. I can go through what happened there. I have zero reason reason to feel bad about those losses. From a data for the month point of view, it's just some random negative results. Even the slot machines at this moment in time were not going my way. I stopped at the slot machine on the way to dinner and a very nice panda took half my money very quickly. Went to dinner, enjoyed dinner, had an excellent steak sandwich by the way. I left the next blackjack table after dinner, having lost the amount of money you would use to buy a large order of fries at any fast food restaurant. Bring it up, because it was just a weird table. At one point, I was up a few units, And three younger players joined the table and they were in a hand and then out of a hand and then going to get a beer and then playing on each other's bets. So there were less bets or playing on each other's side bets. So things had to be slowed down so everybody could touch the right chips before it was a legal wager. They were very random players. I did not want to get in the way of their good time, but when my play stack reached minus seven units at the end of a shoe and my win stack was at six and three quarters units, I decided to leave the table rather than regrouping and continuing to play with this set of players. I finished the evening up almost two days pay, um, especially when you count about a half day's pay win playing craps. So I was in good shape. The next morning, after a quick comp breakfast, I played my free slot play and my match bet, and that ended up being a a small loss at that blackjack table. And I left the building in pretty good shape and with a lot of additional tier points. I didn't win a lot of money, but I was in good shape on the money side. I wasn't negative, and I got a lot, a lot, a lot of tier credits from my home casino. Credits are an important aspect of all of this. I've come back to them several times today today. For my home casino to be my home casino, I need them to be willing to comp me a room most of the time. It's too far to mostly drive over, drive back, and I don't really have a reason to go all the way there. That means I need to play there on a regular basis. My home casino is also just one of five casinos in the My Choice brand within a two and a half hour radius of our home. If I want my casino lifestyle to be bigger than a two casino brand that's available locally with modest amenities here in the city where I live I can take a tier credit visit without a cash win at a my choice property from time to time that is absolutely fine not upset about that and a push is better than a loss Of course, a stop at my local casino was needed on the way home to pick up free bets and free slot play. I took two small losses, had a Meta Martingale Tier 2 win, there we see that again, and left my local casino even for the day and again with a set of nice tier points for my local casino. I finished the month with a visit to my local casino on the last day of January. I had a busy real life day, didn't get to the casino when I wanted to, didn't get there till later in the afternoon. It was just bad timing on my part. I did not realize that due to MLK day, there was an NBA game going on across the street from the casino. They were so busy that as a tier three, they were not even letting me in the garage, which was all right. Tier three gets free valet. So I had a valet park, I had to valet park. In the casino valet parking, as I said, comped, but there's still a tip to to the guy who takes the car and a tip to the guy who drops the car off. And I tend to try to avoid those tips because it gets expensive if you do it multiple times a week. It's just an extra expense I don't generally need. In addition. To all this going on, as soon as the game ended, the casino filled with drunk people gambling for entertainment who really slowed the entire process down. I need to start checking NBA schedules and planning around those, not just around my promotions. In hindsight, this was a visit at the end of the month that didn't really need to happen. I had a mix of losing and winning tables and left up just a bit more than a half a day's pay. But it was a visit that went way too long, started to be there more than I wanted to be, Big time roll. Wife would not have been upset if I had been winning, 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 but I wasn't winning, winning, winning. I got to a, a, the point where I was up half a day's pay and decided to settle for that and head out. Solid winning week. A bit anemic at the end. Last couple, three days of the week were, eh, they are okay. Not a lot of value added other than tier points, but a solid winning week. And I learned some things along the way. Always remember, I don't know everything about gambling. I just want to know everything about gambling. So learning is as important to me as winning. That's not true. Uh, I, I want to win. I want to win the game of casino gambling. I'd prefer to win the games of blackjack, crafts, and slots as much as possible. But learning, learning is right there after that. Learning is an important part of this. Next is core concept segment, and a new type of wager that's going to be in addition to the core concepts. One of the core concepts is to understand and use a wagering system that includes both progressive and regressive components. A progressive wager is a larger wager made following a win or a series of wins. I mostly focus on coin toss bets and a coin can land on heads when you are betting on heads many, many times in a row from time to time. Adding money as more money is won is necessary for larger successes. A regressive wager is a larger wager made after a losing wager or a series of losing wagers. If you've lost a bet or several bets your best chance of winning that money back comes from winning a couple of larger bets. Not the same number of bets you just lost, all the same size. The idea here is it's very difficult to lose three, four, five hands in a row. If you're just a flat better, if you lose three, four, five hands in a row and your goal is to win that money back, you've got to win four or five in a row. Yes, yes, yes. Coin could come up heads five times and then come up tails five times. That That could happen. But it doesn't happen very often. It really doesn't. All three of my wagering systems include those ideas and concepts and those types of wagers. And we've talked about those a lot. We've covered them various times in various ways at various places. There is, however, a wager technique that I don't find a use for in most 50-50 table games. And for that reason, I have not included it in the core concepts as I originally stated them. I have, however, found a situation at a craps table where I really think, I think I like this type of wager, and I was just emailing with the Leatherneck Hustler, six to the ring, about applying this bet in some horse racing wagers. The wager I want to talk about today is a retrogressive wager. This is a bet that is reduced after a win. And not to return to the starting size, not unit size, this is not, I accomplished my sequence I got all my money back and one unit, so I'm going back to base. This is a return to a different unit size after a win. It doesn't always make a lot of sense in the types of things I've talked about doing to win. The amendment today to the core concepts would be this, to understand and use a wagering system that includes progressive, regressive, and retrogressive wagering components and not all of those are going to be necessary in every wagering system, but I wanted you to be aware of it. Let me give you a couple of examples of where I might apply this, and these are kind of illustrations, these are kind of ideas, these are not go forth and do these. I think these illustrate why these are uncommon in what I do. I first realized I might want to include retrogressive wagers while playing crafts at my home casino last week. You see, At my local casino, the tables are usually at a $25 minimum. My bankroll for craps, my bankroll that I use as it relates to craps, the bankroll that I'm using to test, use six bets to win six bets, to do that kind of experiment are based on playing at a table with that $25 minimum. I need wins at that level to offset losses at that level. If I drop from making $30 bets to making $12 bets on one table one day because I'm in a different casino and they have much lower table limits, that does not offset a loss on a table from a previous day or a future day. As a result, at my home casino, even though the table minimum was $10, I bought in for my normal 10 bet level my normal $25 table level and made bets as if the table minimum was $25 that's my thinking as I'm starting and then it dawns on me very early in the process because everything I'm doing with this use six to win six is based on the idea that regardless of what happens after a point is established for the next five throws I'm getting my money turned off normally if I win two bets right away my money's off because I know a seven is coming it is inevitable so as I was saying, early in the process, points established, next roll is a six. I get paid. And the next roll is an eight. That's only two throws. And normally uh, on, on a point after a point is established, throwers on average going to go six or seven throws before they seven out. That's the statistical average. That's what I've been working from. So as I said, I get paid on the six on the first throw. I get paid on the eight on the next throw. And I would normally turn off or take down my bets once I got paid twice. And I would take those bets down if the dice were thrown five times, even if I didn't get paid on anything. I realized though in that moment that since I was playing so far above the table limit that instead of turning off my bets or taking them down, I could instead make a retrogressive wager. I could go down after a win and stay in the game for the next several throws. I reduced my 30 dollars and my 30 dollars to an $18.06 and an 18 dollars Eight. So I won 35 I won 35 I took money off the board. I've got a profit at this point, but I'm still in the game. And then if I want to bet at that $18 level, because this was a $10 table, I could re- further reduce my bets to $12 on both numbers. And in doing that, stayed in the game for an entire set of five throws, becomes very doable and less risky. And a lot of additional numbers were thrown. If that happens, I could collect additional wins. It worked on one table that night. It didn't work on another table. I really don't know how well it will perform over time. But at this point, I like this report approach a good deal, which is why I wanted to talk about this retrogressive wager during this episode. If a shooter threw a lot of points with some sevens in between the points, I would start to push those bets back up from the $12 level progressively, $6 at a time. That said, the point is that this is another tool that can be used when building a wagering system or making a wagering plan. I like it enough that I'm looking for more opportunities to play at lower stakes tables and try it out. And this would once again be expanding into the idea that, hey, maybe with progressive, regressive, and retrogressive wagering, I can find something here in the craps world that works much like my 50-50 systems work. Also, another illustration, as I mentioned, The the Leatherneck Hustler sent me an email about an upcoming gambling trip he has planned with his wife. It's going to include some time betting on horse racing. He's been reading up and he asked if I had any advice to pass on as it relates to horse race betting. I always say that I know just enough about being good at gambling on horse races to know I don't know enough to be good at gambling on horse races. I am much more a pick the color of the jockey You know, Pick the color the jockey is wearing, pick the horse's name that's fun, I'm that kind of horse race better. I am doing it purely for entertainment, not on the assumption that I am going to make money. However, that does not mean that some of the core concepts of casino combat do not apply. They absolutely still do. There is still a need to establish what size wager you're going to make. And size a bankroll accordingly. You still want to be in the players club if there is one and show your card when you make your wagers. And you still want to vary your bets progressively, regressively, and perhaps retrogressively. This is not a sophisticated betting approach as far as horses are concerned. If you know horses and you know jockeys and you know when they ran last and you know the conditions they run better in and you know who their trainer is, you can be a sophisticated horse better. You can That's not me. I already told you that. This is treating the bets on horses as 50-50 wagers when in fact they are not and being aware that they are not. This is something to use if you don't have the knowledge and skills to make a set of wagers based on the knowledge that I was just talking about. I would use a very small basic wager. Whatever that means to you, whatever very small is. We are using horse race bets for this illustration. I will keep it very simple. There are a variety of bet variations. There's trifectas and all of this. This is an illustration of an idea, not a simulation of betting on horses. I'd pick a horse in the first race and I'd make a very small bet, maybe $5. Let's call it that. And I bet that the horse finishes in the top three. So I don't even have to guess which one, two, three that horse is going to be. I'm not picking multiple horses, just one horse in the top three. If I won, great. I'd bet $5 on the next race. If I randomly won again, my following bet in the third race would be $7. Very simple progression, right? And if I'd lost that third bet, I'd return to my original wager. As I said, a very basic progressive wager. I'm just having fun. That's the reason I'm doing this. However, if I lost the bet on the first race, that first $5 bet, my next bet would be $12. Just a very basic martingale at this point. Up more than we lost, a a martingale a martingale regressive wager now suppose that is lost the next bet is gonna be let's see we did 12 and 5 20 12 and 5 17 so maybe 35 i'm adding a little more than double to each bet and i'm doing that because these aren't going to be 50 50 pounds we're going to talk about that more than a second If you're going to do this this way, you need to know how many races are going to be run. You need to be comfortable with the idea that for the evening's entertainment, you may lose the entire bankroll. If you martingale every race and pick every race wrong, you're going to lose the whole thing. Now, here's the thing about horse racing. A bet rarely pays even money. This is not if you bet 35, you get your 35 back plus another 35 minus the house's commission or vigorous. Every horse in a race is assigned odds of winning the race, odds of placing in the race. As long as the odds for the horse are better than even money, when you do win that $35 bet, you're going to get an amount back more than $35 and the house is going to take a little piece. You might get $65, you might get $90, minus the VIG, you might get a lot more depending on the odds of the horse winning. It's at this point that I would make a retrogressive bet. I'd go down after a win. And I probably wouldn't go down to to my starting bet and start all over. And that's why I used $5 to start this illustration. Depending on where the win happened and where I was with things, I might very well go down to $2. Or if I won a bunch on like the third level of, of the Martingale, You know, I might go backwards, but not all the way backwards to the starting money. Depends on how many races are going to be run. A win after several martingales needs to be protected. So drop way down and start over. And that makes a great deal of sense to me. At least it makes a great deal of sense to me as an illustration of this idea of a retrogressive wager down after a win, not because I got even or up but because I need to protect part of what I just won, but I want to continue to wager. The primary thought this core concept addresses is that just repeating the same wager over and over or randomly guessing what bet to make next is not an effective strategy for winning. It is not effective at winning consistently in my experience. It's not as effective as having a wagering system or plan laid out before you start gambling. I mainly use, as we've seen, I mainly use progressive and regressive wagers, but retrogressive wagers are occasionally a useful tool as well. I have monthly results to share and the virtual VIP lounge is where we most often have that discussion and I am all ready for at least a small sip today. So let's head to the to the lounge right now. A little bit of the bubbly welcome to the most must listen to segment in casino gambling podcasting each and every episode the casino combat virtual vip lounge like any good virtual vip lounge we have the best virtual bottles virtually all the time including of course but not limited to the best locally bottled artisanal still and sparkling water as always i encourage you to enjoy a virtual beverage with me today if you cannot join me for having an actual beverage if you are driving gardening or working out you need to continue to do that. But if you can, press pause and pour a beverage of your choice and then come back and let's continue. It is early in the morning as I record this, um, but I have a mostly in the office day today. I don't have a lot of running around to do, and that means a mimosa is going to be my beverage of choice today in the virtual VIP lounge. Casino VIP lounges are a privileged refuge from the casino floor, a place to take a break, regroup, have a drink, Has some food, and talk about gambling with friends old and new. Most months, we use our virtual VIP lounge to review the gambling results for the month based on the assumption that at some level, we are friends. And real gambling results are shared with friends as accurately as possible. They are shared with people you trust. And I always assume, and this is repetitive for some of you, but I always assume that there is someone out there in the world who was looking for a new podcast to listen to, found ours, and started listening for the first time with this episode. If that is you, let me explain some of the ground rules or assumptions for a review segment like this. If I have a winning month and you listen to this and think, wow, they won all that, I have not communicated my purpose well. My purpose in doing this segment every month is to educate and inform, not to impress. Casino Wisdom number 7 teaches us to be accountable to someone or th- something. You can be accountable to yourself and keep detailed written records. I da- do that using an app I developed. You can be accountable to someone else. Mrs. TRG has a copy of of my app, of our app on her phone, and can see my results at any time in real time. I'm not hiding anything from her. If it happened, she knows. I'm accountable to her. I'm also accountable to all of you, and that's one of the reasons I do this segment every month. As I've said many times, if you do not know my results, why would you trust what I teach and try it with your own money? Casino wisdom number 99, the most important of the casino wisdoms, teaches us that if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your gambling. While I didn't know it when I started this podcast, this monthly review that I do for all of you is the most important and informative thing I do for myself every month to execute on Casino Wisdom number 99. I break down, review, and lay out all of our results in detail every month, and I see it before you hear it. I can't say this strongly enough. In my opinion, if you are not keeping written records in some fashion, if you are not sitting down on a regular scheduled basis, weekly, monthly, quarterly, depending on how often you gamble, you are skipping a key step to gambling success. At this point, even if I stopped doing the podcast, I would still go through the process of assembling the data every month. When doing one of these segments, one of my concerns is always that this podcast is heard around the globe. It is heard in places where five U.S. dollars is a lot of money, and it's heard in the United States by people who earn $50 a day and by people who earn $500 a day or more. I do not want a listener to hear actual dollar amounts and think, wow, wow, dude won that much, or on the obverse, hear an actual dollar amount won and think, wow, wow. He went through all that for that tiny amount of money? That's really not the point. What I do in these recaps is divide all the actual numbers by an amount of money I call a day's pay. The amount of money minimum that I try to earn in my consulting practice five days a week. I started using this number a long time ago because if I didn't have enough consulting appointments to earn that much in a day, I would go to my local casino and try to win that amount of money and then leave. The result of that calculation is that all of the results can be discussed as if my goal was to earn $1 a day. You can see how these results would impact your life by figuring out your day's pay number and multiplying all my numbers by that number. So if your number is $500 a day and I say I earn $0.67, multiply 500 by 0.67 and you will understand what that amount of money would be to you. All right, with the ground rules out of the way, here we go. For the month of January 2022, we played a total of 55 blackjack tables. We left with winnings 27 times and we lost at least some money 28 times. We won a total of $14.14 playing blackjack on the earn a dollar a day standard. The fact that we actually had more losing tables than winning tables demonstrates that once again, we managed our positive and negative exit points very well. And I say that a lot, but I also say that because it's very true. If we get that part right, then roughly 50-50 results generate a profit. In this case, a nice profit. We played craps a total of 35 times. That is not casino combat gambling. That is educational gambling. I don't yet claim to know how to beat the game of craps consistently. We left craps tables with winnings 19 times and we lost money 16 times. We lost money playing craps despite having more winning tables than losing tables because in the course of evaluating the use of a five-tier martingale don't pass wagering plan, strategy, process, call it what you will. I had an idea, five-tier martingale and use it on the don't pass line. And I tried it and it worked great until it didn't. And I took some really large losses in that process. For craps this month, not necessarily casino combat money, but to put it here and be as transparent as possible, we lost $1.15 playing craps. Using our own money in TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, we played just 13 machines last month, down a good bit from previous months. This is due to a combination of Mrs. TRG not making very many casino visits last month and the fact that craps has been occupying more of my attention than slot machines, good, bad, or otherwise. We only won money on four of the 13 machines we played, and we lost $1.12 playing slot machines with our own money. We received exactly $1 in fl- free slot play over the course of the month. One day's pay in free slot play. Think about that. Think about the casinos giving you the equivalent of one day's pay to gamble on slot machines. And using that money, and my slot machine strategy for using free play, we won $1.12. That's TRG slot strategy number one. Once again, a nice amount to win in comparison to the amount given. I usually shoot for 50% and maybe we got to revise that because it seems to be better than that a lot of times. As I mentioned earlier, both of those strategies are in my ebook, Casino Combat Slot Tactics, which can be downloaded from the website for free. So, Strategy one and strategy two offset each other last month. And the reality is that minus the one machine that Mrs. TRG played, I actually won a small amount of money more than the free slot play doing that. We had a small slot profit, not just a break even. I also have to wonder if it was summer and Mrs. TRG had been with me for more visits if we might have done better on the cash play portion of our slot play. That said, this is a win for the slot portion of our gambling this past month. It's important to understand this in the context of casino wisdom number 15. We are not playing the game of slot machines. We are playing the game of casino gambling. If the two slot strategies offset each other financially, we are winning the bigger game of casino gambling. That happens because we run our money through the slot machines, And as we do that, we are accumulating tier credits for benefits and free imaginary tax-free money in our accounts with the casino. We are being given additional free slot play for future months based on that play. We lost money in cash playing with our own money. We made it back up in the money they gave us from playing their free money, and we received a variety of benefits from the gambling done playing slot machines. That is a casino combat win. And you need to understand that, and you need to be able to to pull that all together and understand how the parts fit with each other our expenses were very low last month only one out of town trip we spent $1.23 doing the business of casino gambling last month which means our total cash profit after expenses for January 2022 was $11.76 that's a nice win that's a nice part-time job More than a week's pay after expenses. That's very, very nice. As always, our casino relationship provided additional benefits and perks. We received three dollars and one penny in comps of various kinds. We received two cents in match bets, one dollar and sixty-seven cents in free bets. We received sixty-four cents in gifts. Mostly in the form of gift cards this month. That's over half a day's pay in gift cards. That's real free money from the casino, everyone. That's all that is. I don't care if you hand me cash or if you hand me gift cards, you are handing me money that I can spend outside your walls. Total it all up. The money won, the money lost, the money spent, the things we were given and the gambling and gambling benefited us a total of $18.42 last month. That's a nice win. That's a nice win that over the course of the lo- month allowed me to add money to our safes to add, to make an extra donation to charity to pay some things with cash that we would have paid for with a debit card out of our bank accounts and to make a couple small crypto purchases. It was a solid casino combat month, and all the tools and techniques were doing what they were supposed to do. It was good to get back to regular gambling and regular small wins without a lot of travel, although I love the travel. I do. I love a comp hotel room. Fourth winning month in a row for the casino combat fiscal year. That is five out of eight winning months for that fiscal year. We have a profit after expenses for this fiscal year at this point because the fiscal year started out with us getting smacked. So we've covered that loss and made a little money as well at this point the spreadsheets have been updated they've been reviewed and they've been saved the numbers in our app are all back to zero and as soon as i upload all of this to t-rex i'm going to do some work Going to finish up things here, and then, depending on how it goes, probably this afternoon, be off to the casino to start the process all over again. If not, tomorrow or one day this week. Please, tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host, but don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone.